And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Copa with Felipe Cardenas. Thank you for joining me. My guest today is Fox soccer analyst Maurice Moedu. Mo is a former All-American midfielder at the University of Maryland. He's earned close to 50 caps with the U.S. men's national team, including three starts at the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. And if there were VAR back then, he would have had a goal as well. Uh, Mo is a Glasgow Rangers legend. And he was just announced as a, as part of a three-person studio team that will host FIFA World Cup tonight on Fox. Fox is the U.S. English language rights holder for this winter's World Cup in Qatar. Mo, welcome to the show. Man, that was flattering. That was really <laughs> flattering. I appreciate that. I'm excited to, to have a little chat with you. And, you know, hopefully you don't kill me off with the, the rapid fire questions, you know. But no, I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yes, we as 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 usual with every guest, we do five questions, the spot kick at the end of the show. So we'll be doing the spot kick, five questions with Mo Adu. Uh, but honestly, Mo, I mean, there's plenty to cover with you today. I think you're just the timing is great. You're the ideal uh, guest to talk about news in American soccer. You know, Thomas Tuchel gets fired by an American owner in Todd Bowley. Uh, how does that impact Christian Pulisic? What does his future look like? Uh, today, I reported via The Athletic that Joseph Martinez, who you're very familiar with, you cover Atlanta United as an analyst on television. He has been suspended for one week following an altercation with Gonzalo Pineda, the head coach. Uh, but first, Mo, where are you? Where are you today? You're, it always seems like you're on a plane or in an airport. So where are you right now? Thankfully, I'm I'm at home. I'm settled. Uh kids are in the other room my fiance going crazy so this is a nice little separation and nice little me time i guess away from from the kids right now but no i'm at home um just relaxing this has been a quieter week until the weekend obviously with the atlanta united game so just enjoying some time at home with the family listen if you're watching on youtube the backdrop is amazing he's got an awesome <laughs> work of art man of the, of young moe do defensive that, stalwart in midfield i mean who where did that who who created that artwork um actually i'm it's gonna sound bad that i don't know exactly who drew it i got it from mls uh okay. when i came back to mls in 2014 they we did like this documentary on me where it was supposed to conclude with me getting on a plane going to the world cup obviously that didn't play out the way we wanted it to but no it was a cool little piece that we did that they did on me um and that was the artwork that that accompanied it so they gave me a couple couple copies of that and you know everyone as soon as i get on zoom or i get on a call like this that's the first thing people point out like how vain is this guy but <laughs> i have nowhere else i can put it in my house if i can't put it in my office like where am i going to put it you know so uh, I like it. I think it looks good. I like it. I love it. If I had one of those of myself, I'd put it up in my room too. I mean, my dad always <laughs> told me a little bit of vanity is fine. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, so let's start with Fox. Let's start with this this winter's World Cup. You know, Fox uh, is is are the rights holder. It, it, the more people I talk to in the industry, Mo, the more people agree this might be the biggest World Cup as far as just content 
consumption, streaming, Twitter, social, uh, everything that's going to go over on air in both languages, English and Spanish here in the United States. And and what's interesting is is this the studio show concept, FIFA World Cup Tonight, which is a, is a mainstay with Fox. What what are your expectations for that show? And first of all, you're going to be joined by Kay Abdo and wait for it, Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson. I mean, we know he's a huge, huge soccer fan, but what do you expect the show to be like for viewers? Uh, I hope that the viewers that are tuning in had an experience with it in 2019 when we uh, did it for the FIFA the Women's World Cup. And then I hope that there's some new viewers who are going to tune in and, and just be a part of the excitement. The show is going to be, it's amazing. First of all, I had a great experience with it in 2019 and we weren't on site. Now we're going to all be in Qatar. So that's going to be a different perspective. The stage that's being built is going to be, I mean, I can't wait for you guys to see it. It's going to be incredible with LED lights and just really, really innovative and, and forward thinking. But from a, from a talent perspective, look, Kate is, Kate is, me and Kate have grown really, really close. She's like a sister to me. So I'm excited to, to be sharing the stage with her yet again. And then Chad is going to bring a whole different perspective, right? I, you mentioned what he, what he knows about the game from a, from the fans perspective, um, from, he also played the game at a young age as well. So I think the show is going to be educational. It's going to be fun. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be a nice recap of all the day's events. And I don't want to give it all away, but there's going to be a lot of you know interesting people that get to be the fourth person on the set with us as well. But it's just going to be all together. It's going to embody what the whole day's events have been like. But we're going to add unique perspectives. Uh, we have some interesting and, and quality personalities that are going to be a part of it. So it's going to be fun, educational, but more importantly, it's going to be entertaining for fans to really to be involved. And again, the fact that we're going to be on site, is going to open doors for there to be a lot more fan interactions and involvement as well, too. Have you enjoyed, because you've been part of CBS's studio team as well. You've, you've covered the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. CBS really, in my opinion, ushered in a new tone to what studio football coverage from a studio perspective can be like. I've had a lot of conversations with Pete Radovich, who has really been a champion of that and, and trying different talents and letting people be themselves. And we talk a lot about banter and all that, but what's, how have you been, how have you adjusted to that? Has it been an adjustment? Do you think this is really sort of like the future of studio entertainment in football? What I would say to that is from my personal standpoint, from day one, when I got into this space, um, you know, one of the first producers that I talked to who introduced me to this space, I told him from day one, I was I was a little bit apprehensive of, of getting into this space. But the one thing that I told him, and I've, I've always echoed this to any producer that I've worked with, is to try to hold me accountable to just being me, right? I don't want to be a broadcaster named Mo. I want to be Mo who's able to be a broadcaster, if that makes sense. You know, I want my authenticity i want me my personality who i am to always to always show through and to not be altered right so any environment that i'm in across the board across the networks i want to just be me and hope that that is something that's able to then be the backbone and the support to my analysis to whatever the, the tone and the and the subject matter is of the content that we're talking about that day so i for me I, i've i've enjoyed being a part of different studio coverages. I think the, I love the camaraderie that, in, that comes with that. I love being able to have fun and show personality, but then also recognizing that yeah, we still need to be educational and making sure that we're touching on all those different elements that come with being an analyst, but I've enjoyed it. And I think that's going to, that's going to show through, you know, it's going to show through when we're, when we're in Qatar and we're on set there, 
there's going to be a host of different personalities that that can be a part of that show for us as well but i think from as a starting point you know myself and kate we've worked together quite a bit so we have that that familiarity with, with each other and then chad i think it's going to be a great additional piece to complement what what we're doing there it's going to be great TV. I mean, it's that that's what I'm saying. Like Kate, Kate Abdo is 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 just a, a top top studio host, and and I mean a, a personality like Chad Johnson. Like I said, it's going to be musty TV, uh, and I think the World Cup will just draw different audiences. Uh, you know, these types of late shows, the the late show concept, I think, is a good idea in sports. It'll be interesting to see, like you mentioned, how people respond. So, speaking of that, you. What do you like more? Like, where do you feel more comfortable? In-game analysis where, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like you're bringing a lot more of your your past, the perspective as a player. You're watching a game in a different way. Or do you like studio work a little bit better? Which one comes easier for you, do you think? I don't know. You know, I, I constantly go back and forth with this. I think when I first came into it, my initial view was that I'd be better in studio because I'm a person who you can't see my hands right now, but my hands are going crazy. I talk with my hands. I talk with, with, with facial gestures, with expression. And so I always thought that it'd be easier for me to be on camera to funny enough when I was a kid and people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I obviously wanted to be a player and I wanted to play, but my second choice was I wanted to be an actor. Right. So here I am, fast forward, I'm on, I'm in front of a camera, it's a different space, but it's still, that's always been in me that I wanted to be on camera, right? So I go back and forth. I love doing studio. I love the, again, the camaraderie. I love the the feel of it, being able to go back and forth, to interact, to to argue, to, you know, to, to get, get at the board and show different things, to show video clips and break down plays in that way. But then I... I love calling games. I love being in a stadium. I love the vantage point that you never got to appreciate when you were a player. When you're on the field, you can you see certain things in the stands and you know, but for the most part, you have tunnel vision. The game happens way too quickly for you to be distracted by what's happening in the stands and and surrounding you. So on a goal celebration or the ball's out for a throw in, there's a player down, you every every now and again you have a chance to kind of glance around and see what the atmosphere is and appreciate it. But from my vantage point now, when I'm in a stadium, I could see everything, you know, I get to hone in on a couple fans here and see what their interactions like without obviously losing distraction of the game. But I, I just, I love that. It's such a, it's been such a beauty for me to be able to appreciate how much this game has grown here first and foremost, to see the the interaction, to see the atmospheres, to see the energy that these fans have created in, the, in these different stadiums. So that's a long winded way of saying, <laughs> I, I love them both. You know, I, I truly do. I really have enjoyed doing both calling games, being in studio um, for different reasons. So I'm, I'm, I remember speaking with uh, Taylor Twelman last year for a story during the Euros on, on just like his, you know, his introduction to, to, to media post playing career. And something that I remember he said is that a lot of former players, like they see that red light turn on when and you're live and some don't always react in a positive way. They, they go cold. Others are like, okay, it's game time. It's show time. Have you evolved? Like, or, or has it always been a natural response that when you're live, like it's on? I think I've definitely evolved. You have to, right? You can, from the outside, before you actually are in front of a camera, before you're in a stadium calling a game, you know, it can seem, it can look easy. You're like, what? They're, you're talking about a game you've played your whole life. It's so easy to just interject your 
your perspective to you you take a stance how how hard can that be but people don't recognize the amount of prep work that leads up to that and then also if you're on camera if you're in studio it's so funny sometimes you see it the banter between a cast of people prior to the light prior to the recording starting and then mm -hmm. as soon as the, you go on air it suddenly shifts right because yeah. oh wait i gotta be buttoned up i have to be this i have to be that so yeah i would say i definitely have evolved i remember the very first game i called it was a practice game just to kind of get my feet wet and i remember walking out of there going that sucked like i i hated <laughs> i thought not that i hated the experience but i thought i was terrible yeah. and then i watched it back and i was like oh okay it sucked but it wasn't as bad as i as i thought it was right and so i think being especially in my early days, I was, I had a chance to have people who were consistently giving me feedback and um, that allowed me to like learn, learn quicker. I was watching a lot of my games back to, to see what I liked, what I didn't like. Even now I'm still a student of the game. I watch all, I watch everyone, you know, I watch different broadcasters. I watch different studio um, analysts and just see things that I like, maybe the way that they describe something, maybe the way that they're able to be themselves, but but adapt that to being in a studio environment, right? So I think you have to constantly be willing to to learn, to evolve, to grow, and I think that's definitely happened with me. But again, the one thing that I try to focus on is just is being me. I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be that person. I want to be me. And if that's leads to me being successful, I'm great with that. If it if I fall on my face, hey, I'd be okay with that as well, as long as I stick to who I am. And I also think that there's a beauty in it because. I'm also appealing to a completely different audience, sure. right? I think that there's there's value in that, and so within this role, I've I've learned to to embody all of that, to take on all the responsibility that comes with being in this in this chair, and and it's something that I truly enjoy. All right, so let's get to the one team you're going to be talk, covering a lot of teams in at, at, in Qatar during the studio show FIFA World Cup tonight, but I mean, it's the U.S. is going to be front and center for all of us. You know, just how do you really feel about this team? Like right now coming into the World Cup, I know we don't know the 26-man roster right now, but I think we have a good idea of what it's going to look like. How, how confident are you in, in this U.S. team? And, and what do you think realistic expectations are for this World Cup? Not 2026. I, I know, like, I think they're going to be a contender in four years, but, and I have never said that about the U.S., by the way. But how do you feel? How do you feel honestly about this team going into Qatar? Honestly, and some people will probably will agree with me, and then I'm sure there's a lot who will think I'm crazy. But I'm I'm very bullish about this group. I have been for for a while. Um, when I started to see them kind of come into their own, and first of all, I think the challenges that that, that they've overcome maybe aren't discussed enough, right? Like mm -hmm. when you talk about so many young players being introduced to the first team, not having many veteran guys to to be that bridge to provide that transition for them to introduce them sparingly into the team no they've all been thrust into the team saying figure out your identity figure out your hierarchy figure out who's going to be leaders but hey also you're the national team so we're expected you're expected to win games you're expected to win trophies you're expected to be to bring us back to the promised land which they have done they're back in the world cup so first and foremost that box is ticked they won what two two tournaments along the way that's two more boxes take. So going into this tournament, I'm bullish about this group. Obviously, there's different variables that you can't account for. Guys getting playing time, injuries, you know, touch wood that those don't play a major factor for us. But a fully fit team, um, guys in form, I, I don't see why we can't dare to dream that a quarterfinal position is, is a realistic possibility. And then from there, the door opens up, right? I think you always set your goal as to 
everyone's going to tell you you're not going to look too far ahead. You take it game by game. Of course, of course, that's the reality and that's how things play out. But as you look at the groups and you look out how things are set up, I I think this team is hungry. I think they they're fearless. I think they dare to challenge themselves and, de- and dare to challenge the narrative that we try to attach to this group of players. I agree with you. I think 2026, when they have now a little bit more experience, they've played in a World Cup collectively, they'll be better prepared. But I'm not looking past this tournament and them being able to be successful and, and really turn some heads, draw in some more fans. This is going to be an exciting event all around. I can, I can only imagine the amount of traveling fans that are going to be able to attend that game to attend U.S. games and then maybe go see a second game yep. later on in the day or something like that. So it's going to be unique in that perspective as well. But this group is exciting. There's a lot of storylines attached to them, a lot of exciting personalities that we're going to get to celebrate, learn more about, dive into. But on the pitch as well, I think there's a lot of talent. Um, this is going to be Greg's first World Cup as a coach as well. So yep. he's going to be important in how he's able to manage this group of young players because there are a young group of players. They're going to be probably the youngest team in the World Cup. So how he's able to manage and bring up the best of them, challenge them in the right way, but then also be able to put a shoulder around them because it's a tournament. Things happen so quickly. How do you get them bounced back for the next game? And all those different factors and variables that make this sport beautiful, but also make it challenging. Um, but I, I, again, I, I think this group has tremendous amount of potential to win over American fans, obviously in this country, American fans around the world and really turn some heads. It's, that's interesting you say it, that you position it that way because I agree. I think they've had to go on 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 a bit of a image pro- project. They've had to rebuild the brand. They've had to get the fans back on their side after not making the World Cup in 2018. And then they had all these hurdles in front of them as being a young team. You know, in hindsight, Greg Berhalter. I mean, give him credit. Like his hire was controversial, but then. Like he really did double down on like we're going young and we're we're going to build something with players and you mentioned it like they're young but just listening to Weston McKinney yesterday after the Champions League game he's like I've known these guys since I was thirteen and that goes a long way like that is that's you know that's not just a stat or or, or a data point like they've known each other they've they've hung out together and they've played now Mo I think there's going to be a U.S. player that will emerge from this team that won't be Christian Pulisic. I think he's very important to this team, but I have a feeling like at the World Cup, there might be another player that becomes a big star. But let's talk about Christian. You know, just at the top of the uh, at the top of the pod, you know, I mentioned Thomas Tuchel, Chelsea coach fired today by Todd Bowley, Chelsea's new American owner. My colleague Paul Tenorio had reported uh, about a week ago that Todd Bowley essentially blocked Christian Pulisic from moving from Chelsea, even though he's not getting playing time. So what is your take on on just the Christian situation? And he's not getting a lot of minutes. Does Thomas Tuchel being fired is that good for him, or 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 not? Is it sort of like limbo for Christian Pulisic? How do you think this will impact his run up to Qatar? Yeah, uh, before I even get to that, one thing you mentioned Weston's uh, post game interview. Another part that stuck out to me was his comments about just being having been a young kid and dreaming about playing in the champions league and then now that's become a reality but then he also said getting a chance to play against these world-class players and show and realize that you belong there right so for me that part is is that's that confidence that this group of players have you know they don't they're not just content and happy that hey i got to play in no i belong here i deserve to be here i'm I'm talking about playing against the best players in the world. And in that same statement, I'm letting you know that I also believe I'm one of the best players in the world. So that level of confidence, I think, can take this group a long way. And it's so important. 
with Christian, it's it's been frustrating, of course. It's frustrating for him. It's frustrating as a fan. It's frustrating as a supporter of the national team, not a supporter of Chelsea, but a supporter <laughs> of the national team, that he's not getting the minutes that we want to see him getting. So whenever a new coach comes in, of course, there's going to be – it's opportunity. It's opportunity now because I won't say a completely fresh slate exists for everyone, yeah. but but – there's an opportunity because now a new coach is coming in. He might have completely different ideas. You're in some ways starting fresh because you have a chance to now show, Hey, maybe I was frozen out before I wasn't getting the minis. I just, I think I deserve, but I have a new coach in front of me and I'm going to work my butt off to show you that I deserve to be in the 11. So I think fresh, it's a, it's a, it's a fresh start in some ways it's changed. And for Christian, yeah, it's a, it's a great opportunity because what was, the norm was what he wasn't playing as much as he needs to be playing. He wasn't getting the minutes that we wanted to get. It wasn't, he wasn't getting the opportunities to show that he can be a game changer, show that he can be the player that we know he can be for club and country. So a fresh, a fresh start in, in a sense is a necessity. And he was looking maybe to pursue that at a different club. Maybe now he gets that at the same club that he's at with players that he knows already that he's familiar with, that he's maybe, establish some relationships on and off the pitch with so that can be fruitful and and it's a more comfortable setting so i'm hoping that it leads to him getting some more minutes we all are obviously but i i do think that it could be good for him is is there because i'll play devil's advocate i think that I agree that it could be a fresh start. You know, maybe he just wasn't rated by thomas tuchel even tuchel knew him very well from 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 dortmund but when a new boss comes in a new manager new head coach he the clean slate can go both ways. He might already say, well, you know what? Like I didn't rate you before I showed up, or maybe he sees a a real prospect in in Christian Pulisic. Do you think that there's a silver lining to perhaps him getting to Qatar? Maybe he's not playing the minutes he's he, that he wants to, or that he perhaps has earned, but he's not hurt either. He's not, the mileage is might be intact for the biggest tournament of his life. Is is there a silver lining there? Perhaps. I don't want that. (laughs) I don't want that. And I'll be honest with you. Um, if I was in his position, of course, you can say that that might, that might motivate him. He might be even more driven. He might be even more inspired, but I don't, it's a world cup. You're going to have all those motivating factors and inspirational factors already. And I think for a guy as, and I don't want to speak for him, but I would imagine for a guy as driven, as ambitious as he, as he is, you know, you think about his journey to get to where he's at. He left home at a young age to go to Dortmund. He had to earn his way there. He had to turn heads. He had to convince people there. Big money moved to Chelsea. You know, he had to show his his quality there. He has to find a way to get into the team. And that's no different. When you go to a club that size, that's going to be your expectation every day. That's part of why you go to a club that size. You want that everyday competition. You want to be, you want to know that your spot is, that you're earning it every single game, every single day of training. You want to be in that kind of environment. And so for him, leading up to a World Cup where it's the biggest stage where you're going to be leading your country, where maybe the expectations at Chelsea haven't been the same where they are for your country, you want to be in the best form possible. And so if I'm in his shoes, yeah, I want to be playing every single game. I don't want to – and I think most players would – I think every player would say that. You want to be feeling as confident as possible because it's not just the the sharpness. Yeah. It's not just the repetition, but it's the confidence level as well. You want to know that you're not overthinking things. You're going to, you want to be in the best groove and form of your life going into the most, the biggest tournament of your life. So Mo, uh, 
What is this period like for a player? You live through it where you're months away from a World Cup. You know, you're playing, whether you're playing at a high level or you're you're fighting your way into contention. You've been here. You've lived it. You were part of that 2010 World Cup squad. Uh, you know, what was, first of all, tell me your own experience. Like, what were those months like before Bob Bradley was like, all right, you're going to the World Cup. And then how does it relate to some of the fringe players that we consi- we are consistently talking about? Josh Sargent, now Brandon Vasquez, PFOC. Uh, you know, how is there stress? Is it excitement? Is it anxiety? What was your experience like leading up to that World Cup in 2010? It was all of that. It was every single one of those emotions at different times. I had a couple of injuries um, leading up to the World Cup, right? So both World Cups, the one that I went to and then the one that I didn't go to. So I would, the one that I did go to, um, I had an injury just before. And so it was for me, that was always in the back of, the mind, of my mind that prior to the injury, I was always a part of the squad. I was, I was in the team, right? And so I was confident that I was going to go to the World Cup. You get an injury now and it's like, oh, okay. So now you're at, you're in a race against time. You're trying to focus on, that's in the back of your mind. The World Cup is always a theme, is always the big focal point in the back of your mind, but then you have to dial things back. All right. So this is my goal. How do I get to that goal? All right, I'm, in, I'm injured now. Well, first of all, I got to devote my time and be smart in how I go about this injury process and make sure that I get back to a place where I can A, get on the field, but then A, B, get on the field and contribute in a meaningful way. So that was where my head was at. Um, I tried not to, I try to just delegate things in the sense that if I'm doing well with my club, if we're winning games, if we're successful, if I'm playing well, that part's going to work itself out, right? So I just focus on being informed and just taking it. I know I hate saying it, but just taking it literally game by game, because I think it's, I think as soon as you start to focus on the distant future, is when you hurt your 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 current existence, right? You, that's, that's when you start having poor performances because you're overthinking things. You're thinking too much about what's not in front of you right there in the moment. So for these guys, yeah, there's, they're young guys. They're 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 going to be excited, of course, the prospect of being a part of a World Cup. But I think, and I'm hoping that they have good people around them that that make sure that they stay dialed into what's right there and what's the near future. And that's the next game, playing every single game, playing well, focusing on that. And that, look, everything else is going to work itself out. You might get some calls that go your way. You might be a fringe player that breaks into the team. You might be a fringe player who doesn't get the look, but you maybe are, you put yourself on the radar, right? Um, so, so guys like, I'll use examples of maybe like a Brandon Vasquez, mm-hmm. who's never really been in the picture. What he's doing right now is what you're supposed to be doing. He's focusing on every single game, scoring goals, and doing everything from his standpoint to introduce himself to the conversation. If it goes, if the call goes his way, great. If it doesn't, at least he knows he can look at that and say, I did everything I could from my standpoint to put myself potentially on the seat going to Qatar. Right. And so I think that's how you have to kind of approach it because. If you start thinking every single day, World Cup, World Cup, World Cup, World Cup, mm-hmm. although we're going to bombard them with those questions, of course, it, it's that's when it can kind of, in a crazy way, this might sound crazy, can become a distraction. And then that's when you can start losing form. That's when you can start being overwhelmed. That's when the the size of the objective can maybe become overwhelming. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What was it like for you to watch uh, Malik Tillman, Sands uh, play for Glasgow? Like, do you consider yourself a Glasgow Rangers legend? I mean, obviously you are close to 100 caps. I might be wrong. Maybe you did get to the century mark, but... You know, what do you remember from that time? And just watching these two Americans who, you know, two players, Champions League uh, qualification, they get to the Champions League and they're they're the epitome of a fringe player trying to make the World Cup. Uh, does Glasgow Rangers help them that they're getting time? Does it help Tillman and Sands to get more opportunities with the national team? And then just reflect on your time as a Glasgow Ranger footballer. I'll start with my time there. My time there was great. Um as a kid, you know, I dreamt of playing the narrative that surrounded me when I would play in the house with my brother, my sisters would be like, you know, oh, Mo gets the ball, he scores a goal, the U.S. win the World Cup. <laughs> Secondary to that was playing in Champions League, yeah. right? And so as a kid, I dreamt of playing in Europe. I dreamt of playing um, for a big club and getting a chance to compete in Champions League. And so when that became a reality for me, it was, it was, it was everything. It ticked all the boxes. In addition to that, I always had another American there with me. It's become like an American club in some ways. The the 
the Fulham of Scotland, I guess, yeah. right? In in terms of the amount of Americans that have gone there and done well. But I was fortunate. I always had an American teammate there. Bees was there when I first got there. Then uh, Los, uh, Carlos Bocanegra and Ale Bedoya came later on. So there has always been that component. And prior to that, I knew about like Claudio being there and his success there. So you go in there and you're there are guys who have kind of trailblazed and set the stage for you at that club specifically. So now you have to go in there and try to either uphold that standard or try to raise the bar a little bit more. So that was always something that was that was a part of that culture for us as Americans in Europe. You're always trying to prove to people that we could play, um, whether it's at the club stage and then eventually at the international stage. But Rangers was a big part of my career, um, a pivotal point for me in my career. It played a big role playing in Champions League. Again, that experience, I think, helped me to now get on a roster, go to a World Cup. So for these young players that are there now, you talk about Tillman, you talk about James Sands, I think it's an ideal situation. One, they're playing in 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 high stress, uh, I would say high pressure situations. When you play at a club like Rangers in, in Scotland, I think people will take knocks at the league, but as a as the D big team with Celtic, every game is you're expected to win. Yep. The thing about Rangers fans too, it's not even just every game in the league. Every game they play in, the fans expect you to win. Whether it's in Champions League, Europa League, whether it's a cup final, they don't they expect you to win every single game. So I think those kind of pressure situations that a company playing for a club of that size within Scotland is going to be important for these players. But then they're on they're playing now, Champions League, right? That's at the club level, that's the biggest stage. So getting those kind of experiences, traveling to different stadiums, they're in they're in Holland today, playing against Ajax and I think those, if you can put in performances in those kind of games, it goes a long way. Um, two players who I think have a lot of talent, different in, in their way, different in how you would describe them. Obviously, Tillman. What do you like? What do you like about Tillman? What do you like about him? I, I think you know it's been. I haven't seen him, uh, uh, you know, a ton. I've seen most of his games just with Rangers, but he's just confident. Yeah. He he. It's funny because it's the way he plays a game at times, I'm like. Mm-hmm. You know, like he he has this level of just like composure to where he's able to slow things down, and you think maybe okay, speed it up, but he's always in control. He takes he takes cuts, touches in situations where you think for a kid that young, but he's daring, right? Yeah. And so I like that about him. I like um, I like his confidence. I like his confidence. Is obviously he has ability on the ball, but I like his confidence and willingness to try to put himself in dangerous positions. He doesn't shy away from much and. He seems to have a lot of personality for such a young player already. And then with Sands, you know, we had a we were fortunate to see him a lot with NYCFC, yeah. but then making the jump overseas, there's that transition. Yeah, it wasn't easy for him. Handled, yeah. And, and that's why I give him credit. I think he's handled that well playing center back now. Um, I'm curious to know what he prefers, if he prefers playing, you know, in midfield as a six or playing center back. But I think he does well. I think he plays both of the positions well. And that in itself could be how he gets on the plane yeah. because of his versatility, his ability to play multiple positions. You know, obviously you would have seen him as, as well as I did in the gold cup and how he, I mean, that was a standout tournament for him, right? That was his, his really like announcement to the rest of the, of the country. Look, I can do this at an international stage. So I think these games um, are going to be a, a huge opportunity for them to, especially to stay informed, to play in meaningful games and try to earn their spot on the, on the plane. Yeah. Before we move on to the spot kick with Moe, do two things on those players, because I feel like James Sands, uh, like you said, he's been in the program. He had a really good gold cup. We know where he can play. 
you know, I, I think any good defensive midfielder should be able to play center back. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a nice little transition for those players. They have the ball a lot. They're going to see that you know they open up the it opens up the field for them. And you're right, like he James Sands does bring a versatility that could be very useful to work up now. I'm dying on the hill that I think Malik Tillman's going to the World Cup. I, I said it a few months ago, and people were like, what? Like, he's done nothing. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think he brings something without a lot of, perhaps, uh, games to analyze, like you like you mentioned. There's something about him that I feel like would be very important in crucial times at a World Cup tournament. You know, I think he could be a loftus cheek type of player. He has the size, the technical ability. He wants to get forward. If you tell him to withdraw, he can do that. But... I mean, do you, how 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 fringe player is Malik Tillman in your opinion? Do you think he has an honest shot to make this World Cup roster? I do. I think, especially with the roster being expanded to twenty six, right? Yeah. That now opens the door for for a lot of these guys. I mean, I think his his skill set. I think him. He's a different player than a lot of players within this this group of players, right? So if you're labeling him. I mean, he could play centrally as a 10. He could play on the wing, right? And so when you're just making those kind of comparisons, he's a completely different profile than most of the other players who play in those positions. And I think he I think he plays a position also in a different way. Um, if he's playing wide, he more times than not wants to come inside a little bit more and find little pockets of space in there. And so look, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think I don't think it's too far fetched to really think that this guy could be on the plane. He's made the commitment to 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 playing for the US yeah. and um you know, without, I think, I think when he made that commitment, he has, he probably had a strong belief that he would be a part of this group, be a right. part of something special going into this tournament with an eye towards 2026, but more importantly, focusing on, on right now. Um, and again, I think he has a, I think he has a great chance as long as he continues his performances, keeps playing week in, week out, um, young player. So you're going to probably see some roller coaster in terms of performances, but if he's playing week in, week out, doing well, playing in Champions League, then why not? Yeah, I mean, again, he, he's on the plane for me. He's on the plane. I think the t- timing is everything, as you know, in a World Cup year. And you said it. He committed to the U.S. He's playing well. He's playing in Champions League. I think he'll be on the plane. Uh, Mo, I lied. We're going to get your take on Atlanta United because I, I can't not ask you about Atlanta United. The fans want to know. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing a great job with our guy, Kevin Egan. And, you know, I think you've probably learned by now, not just being close to the team, but having covered MLS for as long as you have, it's a big club in MLS. Like no matter what's going on around Atlanta United, it's, it's, it's newsworthy. There's something to talk about. And, you know, this year has been difficult for them. I know you've covered them closely as an analyst. And just like I mentioned before, Joseph Martinez is now suspended for a week. Uh, and after a dust up with Gonzalo Pineda in the locker room after that loss to Portland. So, Two questions for you. How far off do you think Atlanta is to being back to where they were based on what you've seen currently and what you know from their past? And as a teammate of a star player that may have been sent a message that you're not bigger than the club, this can't happen. How do how do you think that locker room is reacting to Joseph Martinez's suspension? Uh, where should I start? Which question should I start with? Um <laughs> I'll start, I'll answer them in the order. Um, how far do I think Atlanta are? You know, it's crazy. Look, we, I think they've tried to shy away from, Gonzalo's try to not use the injuries as a reason for this team being in the position that they're in. But I do think that that plays a role, right? And I think it's not just 
the quality of the players that have been lost, but I think more so the leadership that comes with some of those players. Yeah. You know, you have your captain in Brad Guzan, who is even a little bit further removed because he's a goalkeeper. But I think having the presence of an Ozzy Alon- Alonso on the pitch, I think having the recovery speed of a Miles Robinson allows you to play in a different way, to play the way that they probably want to play a little bit more, yeah. or they can be a little bit more adventurous, keep a higher line, those kind of kind of things. But uh, how far do I think they are? Even with the team that they're fielding now, I think there's enough quality there to be higher at the table. When I look at them, I think a lot of teams would would die to have some of the talent that they have. It's just for whatever reason they're they're not they're making. How do I answer this for you? Uh, you asked what, how far away are they? I don't think they're far. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, think they're far. It's a playoff I, I think, caliber team. It's a playoff caliber yes. team for sure. I, I think I think their biggest challenge is themselves, right? I think that when I watch some of the games, the goals that they concede are just too easy. And the part that's frustrating, I think probably for fans as well, is that it's, if, if you play against um, Toronto, that's the next opponent, right? And Insigne just scores a world-class goal. You put your hands up, you applaud it, you say, okay, you, this is why they paid the big money to bring him in. Likewise, if Araujo runs through five guys and scores an amazing goal, I'm sure the opponent would be frustrated, but you put your hands up and say, this is what can happen when you're playing against top, top tier talent. But I think when you're conceding goals that just are a little bit too easy in there, it, to, to the outside eye, to the untrained eye, it seems like they can be preventable, then that's where it becomes a little bit frustrating. So long-winded way of saying, look, I think that they are in, this is the testing time right now. Yep. This And this kind of moment is when I want to see the players say, all right, we're going to assume more responsibility. We're going to say, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. We're going to say, you know what? We're tired of conceding goals on set pieces. We're going to, we're going to die before this ball, before we score or we concede a goal on a set piece. Right. So I want to just see, I want to see some players take a little bit more ownership um, because I think there's a lot of quality. I think there's too much quality for them to be in this position. And then the second part about Joseph, um, what I would say about that is that, I think Joseph has always been Joseph, right? He's a fiery person. He's a fiery personality, but that's that's why he's as good as he is, right? You need – I've played with strikers who are similar, who, who you know, they demand they demand the quality that they bring, right? So they're going to challenge their teammates. They're going to challenge – they want the best because they want to play in an environment where they can succeed and they can show their quality and – and they want the team to be successful as well. It's an it's been a rough and trying year for everyone involved. Joseph himself, the team, Gonzalo, you know, going through his first year as a with this group of players as well. So I think I think if I'm a teammate, you recognize who Joseph is. Um, you're gonna support him. He's your teammate. You wanna see him get back to his best and you know what he can do and how he can contribute to this team. So you want you wanna try to get him back to being at his best. But then also you have to say, you know what? Something happened and I can appreciate that they took a stance, the club took a stance and address it. No one's bigger than the club, right? And, and so it, it, there's there's two sides to that. And I think the players, his teammates will recognize that obviously we weren't there. We didn't see exactly what happened. They would have been witness to what exactly happened. So they'll witness and, and recognize, look, that's, that's the part that, that's what comes in this business. If something happens, okay, then there has to be some kind of reaction. There has to be, and I think what they'll appreciate is that, hey, because if they let that slide, and again, I'm not speaking to it because I wasn't there, but whatever it's been, whatever it's, it, they know what happened and they know what occurred. So 
if they let it slide, then it's like, okay, uh, that's a statement in itself. Yeah. And maybe the player is bigger than the club and you don't want that. You don't want that kind of situation. And so look, at the end of the day, you, you hope that things get resolved, get a performance against Toronto, move on. And then he's back within the group and traveling to Orlando and, you know, hopefully this could maybe be in a crazy way. Maybe this is the fire, the catalyst that mm-hmm. they needed to to now start a run, to start getting some performances, to climb back into playoff contention. I mean, that would be quite a story if that if that was the catalyst. <laughs> if that was the catalyst, right. and then Joseph comes back against Orlando, his you know who he owns, and goes off. I mean, that would right. be incredible. Uh, I agree. I think Atlanta is is one of the few clubs that shouldn't be far off from recovery. Just the resources that they have, they're going to attract talent. They do have talented players. Uh, th- there's some things about football that you can't put your finger on or you can't attach a, a stat to. You know, sometimes you just need certain levels of experience and management in, in on the field that they just don't have that they've had in the past. You mentioned some important players like Ozzy, Alonzo, huge miss. And I agree. Brad Guzan might be a goalkeeper, but he's been in battles and he can get in front of those guys and, and let them know what's up. So yeah, great take, man. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not an easy one. There's a lot of layers and Joseph is in a, is a he appeals. He's such a interesting athlete and you know the, the news that broke today. Some 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 fans celebrated. They're like, "Hell yeah!" Like that's Joseph. You know, we're frustrated too. And others are like, "No, we can't have this." So not a lot of athletes bring that sort of polarization as Joseph does, honestly. And and that's what I was saying. Like I think if you've been in the locker room with him, um, I'm sure his teammates will will go to bat for him, yeah. right? Because the interactions. The well, first of all, his track record in terms of what he's done for the club speaks for itself. But then. Look, when you're in a, when you're in that kind of environment, you recognize and to a certain extent you can appreciate the different personalities. Some players are a little bit more timid, some are shy, some are quiet, some are a lot more outspoken and vocal. But you that's how that's what makes up a team, right? And as long as everyone's working towards the, the same direction, um, then it's easier to fit all those pieces together. And then, you know, accordingly as well, if something happens and a mistake happens or there's some kind of transgression, as long as it's addressed in the right way. Okay. You take the, whatever the penalty is that comes with that and you move on. Like that's football that, that happens across the world. This isn't the first, this isn't the first instance of something like this happening. Um, but again, I just hope that the response afterwards is it's, is positive in the sense that it leads to the players being galvanized again. They get a, re, uh, get a performance and a result that they desperately need at this point in time. All right, Mo, I do. Great stuff as always. Let's get to the spot kick that, as you know, I don't know if you know, I'm going to explain it anyway, just in case there's a first time listener that has no idea what we're about to do. It is sort of a rapid style, rapid fire style, five questions set up. It's called the spot kick though, Mo, because as you know, when you set step up to take a penalty, you can't think, you can't waffle. You've got to know where you're going. And so this is like okay. a, a, B answers, a, B answers. It's a or B. All right. Okay. All right. Don't waffle. You know, don't miss. Basically, don't miss. I uh, might, I might stutter. You know, I might take a, <laughs> a little hesitation pause before I take my kick. So. All right, all right. So here, here we go. First question, spot kick with Moe Du. Bigger rivalry and the rivalry that you had the most fun playing in: Glasgow Rangers versus Celtic, or U.S. versus Mexico. Yeah, I'm gonna say. You did that, yeah. All right, the first question, huh? 
I'm going to say, well, I'm going to say bigger rivalry is US, uh, sorry, is Rangers versus Celtic. Yeah. And I'm going to say, I, I guess the one that I enjoy playing in more US Mexico, I was born into it. Right? Yeah. And I had no choice in, in that situation. I was born into it since a kid. I knew what was coming, right? My goal was always play for the national team. And with that comes playing against Mexico, playing, going down to Mexico. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to be on a team where we went down to Mexico and won, Oof. right? And so to, to walk out of Azteca and see the fans just in a disarray of what, what the hell just happened, there's, I mean, there's no, that's a special feeling saying that, scoring against Come Celtic on. too. Like Oof. that was, it's probably, the easiest goal I scored in my career, but probably the <laughs> had the most impact and and the biggest, the most significance. Although if the one in the World Cup counted, that might have been there too. But yeah, um, don't know if I waffled there. Or no, not, I but, gave uh, I gave you an out, man. I think I feel like you scored, and then we went to VAR, and you and you did it again, and you went to another okay. corner, basically. <laughs> You went to another corner with that one. All right, uh, second question of the five question spot kick. Who's your starting number nine for the U.S. against Wales? Jesus Ferreira oh, okay. or Josh Sargent? Okay. Oh, between those two. Mm, curveball. Right now, it's I would say Jesus. I think I've seen him more recently with the team than I have Josh, right? And I think it's, it's about who's in form, but then I also think it's about the familiarity with the players. Not to say that Josh doesn't know the players. Obviously, he's grown up playing with some of these guys. But when you look at the last, what? When's the last game he played in now that I'm thinking about it? It wasn't a great Early performance. Days. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance for Josh. And so I think it's great that he's back scoring goals. I think that's going to be hugely important. It, it'll probably get him his seat on the plane going to Qatar. But I think if my options are those two, I probably lean towards Jesus, just because one, he's in great form. The guy's in amazing form right now. Um, and his track record in terms of how recently he played with the national team, with these, with this group of players, what they, they know what to expect from him. They understand the player that he is. They understand his strengths. They understand his weaknesses. So I think he's better suited at the moment. Yeah. And totally different players too. caveat. Like I think yeah. they move differently. They, they provide different sorts of assets and benefits. They have their own limitations, but that's, that's going to be the biggest question heading into that game against Wales. Like which is the best, who's the best solution against a Wales back line that I think we know how they're going to play. All right. Third question of the spot kick, who has the higher ceiling, Brendan Aronson or Eunice Musa? This guy wanted to ask me about two players <laughs> that I love. Oh my God. Um A or B, man. A or B. Yeah. Oh, that is a great question. The higher ceiling. I, I love Musa. I, I love Musa. Um I love Brendan because I got a chance to see him when I was in Philly. And he was one of the most annoying players to play against because the kids work. I know, honestly, the kids work rate. You see it now with the national team. You see it at Leeds. That's why he's a perfect fit for Leeds because in addition to his talent, he doesn't stop running. Yeah. Like he's just in England and the UK, they call him, they call these players busy. Yeah. He, he was busy, like just constantly buzzing around. But Eunice, I think he is, I think he's just sheer joy to watch. Mm -hmm. He's his, 
the way at such a young age too that he makes it look so easy i, I wish i could have played like him at 25 yeah. you know what i mean in yeah. terms of just his grace on the ball his similar similar to how i described tillman as being fearless yeah. taking the ball in the most difficult moments i think in addition to just his skill set when i watched this is more of a mentality thing if he makes a mistake a play doesn't come off for a player that young sometimes there's a tendency to maybe shy away or the reaction is to put their head down and whatever but him it's like give me the ball again yeah i want the ball again i want to try it again i know what i where i messed up all right i'm gonna make it better on this play um i think he's i think he's an expat i think he's a game changer in terms for this u.s team going forward i think he's different than all the personalities and the profiles of players that we have in this midfield when he starts adding goals to his game so, so when you're talking about potential and upside right like i think brendan there's still room for growth in his game i think if Eunice can add goals to his game he's yeah, he'll be special yeah i think he's special already yeah. but like when he's a consistent goal threat i, I don't I, yeah i would probably i would lean towards him all right hey i asked you that because i would have struggled big time with that question too by the yeah. way uh all right fourth question second to last question of the spot kick worse kick game the u.s or england <laughs> <laughs> Your kids want to say too, man. Your kids want to say. Yeah, he's running over here. He's like, you know the answer, Dad. Don't even, don't, don't even sit here playing around. You know what to say here. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't love, I don't love the U.S.'s kid. If I'm being honest, yeah. um, England. We can never be second. We can never be second to England. So I'm saying England. Love it. Love it. Saying England. My guy. That's my guy. All right. Final question, final spot kick. Where will Christian Pulisic play next season? Chelsea or elsewhere? We're just leaving it elsewhere, just anywhere. I mean, if you want to drop a team name that you think he's going to land in, but it's basically, is he staying at Chelsea or is he moving? Uh, here's what I'm going to say. He's going to stay at Chelsea because the new manager that comes in is going to, he's going to win him over. He's going to win him over. I think he, I think Christian's a fighter, man. I think Christian loves the challenge. And unless there's something, there's an underlying theme with the club that we don't know about that would push him out. He's at a, he's at a massive club, right? He's at a massive club. He's going to be playing champions league football, like the standard and expectations at that kind of club, you know, the, where you go from there has to be the likes of, uh, a Barca or, you know, something on that kind of a man city with you say in England, Liverpool. So I, I think, I think Chelsea, I think he wins a new manager over. Um, and he gets back to, he gets to playing regularly. He's, he's one of the first names on the team sheet and he's happy again. He goes into the world cup, has an incredible world cup where I'm going to present a whole scenario for you now. Okay, I'm here. down. I'm done. He gets, yeah, he gets back. He wins a new manager over gets back into the team has an amazing world cup now he's being fielded offers from all the top clubs right because he's shown to be the world-class talent that we know he can be um and out of that he finesses chelsea into a new deal <laughs> bigger money he's in london doing well scoring goals in champions league like I, I think he's in a good situation as long as he gets back to playing you let you left out that he scores the winner against england at the world cup oh, that's, how about that that goes without saying. Right. that goes without that's how he gets that new deal right he, he <laughs> All the doubters, all the people who question him, who all the people who don't think that um, he's Chelsea, 
material, their heads get turned. Their heads get turned before that, but that's just like the exclamation point when he scores and he provides that final dagger against England in the World Cup. I love it. I love it. It's an interesting story. He's always going to have an interesting story because he's the first American player to be at that level where you're thinking, okay, if he goes to Chelsea, then he has to go to an even bigger club or a plug a club at that stature. That's tough to do. I think we're going to see more of that in the future. But for now, Christian Pulisic is that guy. Uh, and I think the World Cup is going to be a big showcase for him too. Finally, he'll get it. Finally, he'll get it. And like one of my colleagues in the UK said, 72, 72nd minute winner, Pulisic coming. They're already fearful. They're fearing it. Hey, They're fearing it. I'm glad they know. I'm glad they know. <laughs> they know what to expect. And and again, I, I think, look, I think even if you just look at his evolution with the national team, right? Like he's found ways to, when we're questioning him, he finds way he finds ways to answer. Right? He steps up in big moments. He scores the. I don't think it was his greatest game when they played Nations League final against Mexico, but he stepped up in the biggest moment. Still, yeah. you know, he steps up in the biggest moment. He comes off the bench. He he's now in a position during qualifying where we're questioning him yet again. Like, should he be starting? Should he not be starting? Greg makes a decision not to start him. Okay, what's his response? He comes off the bench. Boom! Scores a goal against Mexico. <sighs> scores a hat trick against who is it? Panama. Like. Yeah. Every time that we question him, I think that he has the personality in terms of in terms of wanting to. I don't think I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily to prove us wrong, but more so to prove himself right. Yeah, that he knows who he is. He seems like he's very very sure of himself. He knows who he is both on and off the pitch. And so, I think in his mind, it's always he welcomes a challenge. He welcomes the responsibility that comes with a challenge. And so, looking at Chelsea right now in that environment, it's a challenge. Yeah. Um, and I think with a new manager coming in, he has a chance to, again, show who he is and why he deserves to be on the pitch. Maurice, man, we went longer than I expected, but it was great, man. You're This is a great chat. I know all U.S. men's national team fans will love it. Glasgow Rangers fans will love it. Celtic fans might not tune in, but <laughs> but we covered so much, man. And that's why you're a great guest. Thanks so much. Maurice Adu, Fox World Cup, FIFA World Cup tonight on Fox during the World Cup. Check it out. Uh, you'll be an analyst during the World Cup. You're on Atlanta United uh, as an in-game analyst, and you're always a, a, a regular on Fox Studios MLS coverage. So thanks for coming on Copa. Thanks a lot, man. No, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.